are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24 May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Very good. Thank you. Well, lots of things to be excited about this week as we head into Thanksgiving. But as I think about this week, I feel like there's something about this week that actually will help us set the tone for the holiday season ahead. At least that's how I've experienced Thanksgiving in the past. That if I can practice Thanksgiving this week and arrive at a deeper sense of gratitude, then it'll set the stage for Christmas. Gratitude gets us ready for the rest. But then I remember this, that before we even get to Thanksgiving, we have a lesser-known holiday that we haven't acknowledged yet today, and that is that today is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday in what's called the church year on the church calendar before the new year on the church calendar anyway, starts next Sunday with the season of Advent. So here I find myself getting ready for Thanksgiving, which is getting me ready for Christmas. But it all starts by recognizing that Christ is king. That he's king over all the universe, over all the crazy things going on in the world, and he's king over my life. And it's been our pattern on this date in previous years to pick a scripture reading that helps us to get ready for Thanksgiving, kind of a standalone passage that's not part of a series. And so today I've selected this one from 1 Thessalonians that is going to get us ready for Thanksgiving, but also celebrates Christ the King. I was texting my father-in-law yesterday, and I'd been out in the deer stand and sent him a video of 200 geese flying overhead going south. And, and so we're talking. I told him about the passage that you and I would be looking at today. And he said, oh, as some of you know, my father-in-law is in Germany. He's German. He says, oh, that's, that's a promise-filled text. Ein verheißungsvoller text, Peter, right? And he's right. It's a promise-filled passage. And I believe it today Today you're going to get to experience a homily, by the way. So the sermon is the normal length. This one's a short one. And yet, in this brief passage, we'll get to exalt Christ in our hearts and set the table for Thanksgiving. So, we don't have much time due to our abbreviated service and flipping the gym around and getting it ready for basketball on time. But, with these two verses and three sentences, I believe we're going to have a foretaste of something greater in 2023, when we'll get to study the whole book of 1 Thessalonians. By the way, for those who might like to follow the footsteps of the Apostle Peter in 2024, our next Bible lands trip, it is this city where Paul sent this letter that will be your first stop, Thessaloniki. So that's in 2024, and we'll be sharing more about that to come. But Paul planted the church in this city. And in our passage, we get to this point in chapter 5, and he's closing out the first of his two letters with this word of blessing. Jewish writers would often finish a letter with a blessing that they would speak, and that's exactly what we're looking at today. So here's the first part of the passage. Verse 23, first half. May God himself, 
the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Now, in that little sentence, we have God as the subject, then we have you as the object, but if you and I don't understand the word sanctify, the verb, we're probably not going to get very far with this sentence. So in other words, what does it mean to sanctify something? Well, at the risk of sounding a little crass, I want to tell you a brief story that I believe will show you what sanctify means rather than just give you a dictionary definition. This past week, one morning, we were doing our usual school routine, and at our house, I take the kids to school before work, and Esther does the afternoon pickup. And so it's the morning, we're getting everybody into the van, which is no small task, and the dog is kind of doing his little happy dance down by the door, because he loves to come on car rides, and it actually works for me to take him with, because we only have one vehicle that fits everybody. So I take the kids then I've got to swing back anyway and switch cars. So we're loading up. I, you know, open the door, steer the dog into the van, and away we go. 14-minute car ride. I drop the kids at the door. I have not even left the parking lot, turning around to go back towards home. And I am overcome by a smell that is so pungent and unmistakable And I realized in that instance that our dog was not doing the happy dance because he wanted to go on the car ride. (laughs) He had to go to the bathroom, which is now all over the back floor of the van. I'm 14 minutes from home. (laughs) And the smell is almost overpowering. I can't concentrate on driving. I've got tears in my eyes. I'm trying to breathe just through my mouth, but that's not any better. I finally roll down the windows, and you know, it's cold out there, and I make the drive home that way, so at least the smell, the intensity of it is dissipated. So I get home, I put on some rubber gloves, and what do I have to do? I have to sanctify the van. (laughs) You understand? I have to clean it up and clean it out. And I'm pulling out the mats onto the driveway and I give these things a scrubbing like they have never seen before. To sanctify, I told you to be a little crass. I hope I didn't cross the line. (laughs) To sanctify means to cleanse, to purify, to make something unholy, holy. And that is exactly what God does in the life of his children. He knows what a mess you and I are. And when we place our trust in Christ, in that moment when we are justified on His account because of the work of the cross, then God begins this lifelong process in us of making us holy, of making us more and more like Christ, cleaning us up and sanctifying us, what does Paul say? Through and through. Now, when we think of Martin Luther, we often think about what he said about justification, that one-time spiritual transaction where the righteousness of Christ is placed upon us. We're free and forgiven. But Luther also wrote about what happens after justification, and that is what we're talking about, this process of sanctification. And look how closely he links these. He says, there is no justification without sanctification. No forgiveness without renewal of life. And listen to this. 
No real faith from which the fruits of new obedience do not grow. What's he saying? He's saying sanctification, this process of being made holy, is the evidence that something has changed to begin with. To know Christ, to know his justification, is to be changed. And it is to be changed completely, through and through. What good in my van would it have done if I had only cleaned up half of the mess in the back of the car? No, it had to be done entirely. And when Jesus gives us the gift of salvation, there is a full end or goal for which we have been saved. So Paul continues in our passage and he says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ the King is coming again. We remember that on this Sunday. And when He does, when He returns, it won't be in a manger or as a newborn babe. It'll be in power to bring His justice fully to bear. Don't we long for that in so many ways? And He comes to adjudicate the righteousness of all who have ever lived, including you and me. But guess what? It says God Himself is getting you ready for that day. He's getting me ready for that day. He's making us holy. Every square inch of us, it says. Spirit, soul, and body. So that in Christ, we'll stand before God without guilt or shame. I have not been in court very often. It's probably good to hear that your pastor's not been in court very often. But not long ago, I stood in the courtroom before a judge who decreed the adoption of our youngest children. But even on a happy occasion like that kind of hearing, you don't forget the authority that the judge carries on the bench. Nor did I forget that he was the same judge who also rules previous parents unfit and terminates parental rights. It's so easy to lose perspective about what life is really about and how easily I get distracted or annoyed or complained. Even when we're following Jesus, the demands of my day or the propensities that we have in life, they can so quickly crowd out the bigger picture. And I know, we all know, you know, my death is out there somewhere. It's up ahead, but most of us don't think about it much unless something happens in our health or in our family, a loved one. We think even less about the eternity that will begin on the day that we die. But here's this reality check in the Bible. God has the whole big picture here and beyond of my life in view. And right now, today, he is actively preparing me and preserving me, pure and spotless, so that I can stand blameless before his throne. And so I invite you to just imagine what that will be like someday. That just as sure as you and I sit here in the Elk River Y gymnasium this morning, that one day we will be before the throne of God. And I don't know, I, I almost wouldn't guess that we'd have the state of mind to, to think back, but, but theoretically, you know, you could think back to this Sunday and this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. And if you and I were to do that, we might find ourselves saying, 
God did it. He kept me until this moment. He kept me blameless. And then in the words of Revelation 5, you might find yourself saying, and now to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be all praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. It's the amazing thing about this sanctifying work that God is doing over the years of our life. God calls you to it. He says, be holy as I am holy. Then he does in you the very thing he has called you to do. Because he knows that you and I can't do it. So in a sense, he's the quarterback on the sideline and he's the coach in the game. He's calling the plays and he's handing you the ball and even picking you up and running you across the goal line in a sense. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So look at verse 24. The last in our passage. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The source of this confidence is in God's very character. You see that? How can we be so confident? Well, it's not in us. It's in His nature. He's faithful. He does what He says. He keeps His promises. By the way, do you and I know what it means when people don't keep their promises? I mean, we're living in a society that is more jaded and suspicious and cynical than, I don't know, maybe ever before. Elected officials, religious leaders... Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift? Who do you trust nowadays? I tried to get my ticket, but... (laughs) Levels of trust. I was just reading a report, some research. I was reading a report about trust levels that have been tracked across the history of, of our country. And you're probably not surprised to hear that Americans have less and less trust in our institutions, in our politics, and even in ourselves as people. And even the difference between like the 1970s, there was some big research done, until now is dramatic. And when social trust collapses, they say that does not spell good things for a nation. And so we find ourselves in precarious times. And how good is it that we can place our full confidence in God? He is faithful, He is trustworthy, and He will do what He says. And what he says to the Thessalonians, maybe you thought of this verse, he also said to the Philippians, he said, he who began a good work in you, this is also Paul, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What God started in your life, whether it was this year that you came to know Christ or you've been following him for decades, what he started, he will finish. There are no half-done projects here. No half-done puzzles laying out on the table. No half-baked people. But God is putting on the finishing touches and He will complete the whole thing. Gene L. Green, in his commentary on 1 Thessalonians, says, God is able to bring about His sanctifying work in your life, whatever your past and whatever situation you face in the present. And some of us may feel that we're disqualified from being anything significant in the kingdom of God. Some of us might feel that we're just going to settle for spiritual scraps. We're just kind of lucky we got a ticket and we'll sit in the nosebleeds. But that's not the truth. Some of us, I know, are navigating 
really troubled waters, maybe fear or sorrow, that the thought of thanksgiving right now is hard to even think about. Now you're entering the holidays with dread or despair. Maybe your health's up in the air. Maybe you're struggling in school or in relationships, or you're just a bit overwhelmed trying to discern your future. Whatever the case, there is a God who is up to His good purposes in your life. And He doesn't make mistakes. He gets it right. And He will get it done. My brothers and sisters, none of us know how many more trips around the sun that we're going to get. None of us know which Thanksgiving will be our last. And for each one of us, there will be a last one day. So wherever you are, in whatever season, I want to encourage you to rest assured in the promise of God that is spoken to you today that He is sanctifying your life into something beautiful. And He is tending you with great care until the day that Jesus comes again. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, amidst an abbreviated worship service today, we pray that the power, the life-giving power of Your Word will not at all be abbreviated in our life or in its application. I trust, Lord, just as You've reminded me of these things, that there are some of us here today where this reminder is so pertinent right now. And may these words of your sanctifying power and may your promises set the stage for all the thanksgiving that we'll need this week. Lord, we love you and we thank you for ministering to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.